2: All right, your Bendrovsky show for Tuesday, February 25th. is just moments away, but before we get into that, we got to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126, and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Hey, unions, thanks. Couldn't do it without you. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Ben Jarofsky,
3: let's hear our song of the day, please. Well, D, I thought I'd go a little contemporary. Okay, mm-hmm. you always uh, say uh, I, don't, I never do anything pre- previous to 1979. Uh, I thought I'd get a little contemporary, do a song from 1987. Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. I have no idea why I was thinking of that song, but I was thinking of it. And anyway, that's a shout out to all our 80s fans out there, okay? Vicky, shout out to you. That's my mom. She loves that song. The Ben Jarowski Show starts now.
2: It is Tuesday, February 25th. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarowski Show. On the program, our Chicago Reader colleague Maya Duke-Massiva returns. It's the long-awaited return of our good friend Mark Sims, and another return. Our good friends Lori Glenn and Juanita Irizarry, and now your host, yeah, making
3: his return. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Checkmate Tuesday, and here's why. Great weekend. You have a good weekend, D? Yep, I did. Yeah, I had a great weekend. Uh, I saw, guess what I saw? Once upon a time in uh, Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, that makes it what <laughs> four. Uh, you know, yeah. This really is a cry for help, ladies and gentlemen. I saw it was on sale. I bought it. Uh, I brought it home, and my wife had to go to do some work, so she left the house. I'm like, I'll oh, just watch a little bit. Next thing you know, I watched the whole thing. I love that movie. Yes, I need help. Anyway, woke up, and what did I discover? A text from our dear friend Mick Fanzler. No, know what you're saying. You go wait. Mick Fanzler, the rocker. Yes. Mick Fanser the guitar player. Yes. Mick Fandler's, Fanzler, the songwriter. Yes. Mick Fanzler, one of the leaders of the group, The Curls. Yes, that Mick Fanzler. He's also a dedicated uh, lefty uh, and was a guest in the show not too long ago, talking politics, playing his guitar, singing songs. Anyway, as I said, he is a, ooh, I would say he is a Democrat of the Bernie Sanders persuasion. Is he a burning your bus Democrat? kind mm, kinda uh, in that ca- category. Anyway, uh, as such, he's always eager to participate in a game I call Nancy Pelosi chess, okay? And Nancy Pelosi chess goes this way. I defend Nancy Pelosi and my friends on the left, is persuasion rip Nancy Pelosi and tell me how wrong I am. And it's like they give me evidence, like moving a chess piece here thinking they've cornered me, and then I counter with evidence, moving a chess piece there, and so on and so forth as pieces get moved around the chessboard. See who can be victorious. It's a game I love to play. My lefty <laughs> friends love to play it, too. Anyway, get a text from Mick uh, in, I think it was Saturday morning. I was sound asleep. Mick was up bright and early. What did that sound like when he texted you? Beep, ding, <laughs> ding, beep, ding. I'm a... okay. Man, I've been up all night watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, all right? You know, these rock and roll stuff. Star- you ever notice how like today's generation of rock stars get up early? Anyway, McFanser sent me this text. Very interesting article. By the way, he was not the only one. Babb sent me the same. He put on my Facebook page. Everybody's sending me this thing. I'm just glad you're on that Facebook page and uh, reading the posts it, that people send. No, I, I. So it was a. You know, I this this heart man it was an article that appeared i think in a newspaper in dallas it was talking about a democratic primary uh, between uh, jessica cisneros a 26 year old lawyer who's sort of cut from the aoc mold and she's up against uh, henry cuellar who is a longtime incumbent who's definitely definitely of the right wing of the democratic party think of it as texas own version of sort of the third congressional district race here in chicago and cook county where uh Danny Lipinski is defending uh, his seat against Marie Newman. And Lipinski, of course, is a Democrat in name only. Uh, and Newman is running at him from the left. She ran at him, of course, two years ago. It's a rematch. So it's sort of the same uh, things going on in Texas. Uh, where Cisneros is a Bernie Sanders, uh, AOC Democrat. Uh, she's the person, if I lived there, I would just, without hesitation, without doubt, vote for her, happily vote for her. I'm sure Dennis would vote for her. McFanser would vote for her. Babs would vote. I think pretty much almost everybody who listens to this show on a regular basis would vote for her, all right? That's said. Nancy Pelosi, D, are you ready for this? Mm. Is supporting Cuellar. (laughs) (laughs) As are the Koch brothers. Well, there's only one Koch brother left. The Koch brothers. So this guy Cuellar is what? He is uh, pro-gun. He is pro trade deals he is what else he's votes with trump many many times he's really on the far right end of the democratic party he's so far on the right end of the democratic party that he's in danger of falling off and yet nancy pelosi endorses him so mick fancier sent me the article and he said sorry to say it ben Nancy Pelosi sucks. And so if you think of the chess game, (laughs) this is what I wait to see. This is what first thing I see after being up all hours of the night watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for the fourth time. Did I ever say that? Anyway, so he's really happy. (laughs) I've I've moved my rook. I don't even know chess that well. And now your queen is cornered. You're about to lose, Ben. And what did I counter with thee? I'll tell you what I countered with. By chance, I happened to hear AOC herself on The View. I think it was a couple days ago. You got that clip ready to play, young man?
4: I think there's a lot of incentive to blow up um, disagreements in the party as like huge fights um, because I think it's important for us all to recognize, and we do this in our rallies, to recognize the people who have been in this fight to allow us to have this window mm-hmm. as we do right now. You know, Nancy Pelosi, that's mama bear of the Democratic Party. You know
0: what
3: mm-hmm. I <laughs> That's Mama Bear of the Democratic Party. You hear that, Mick Fanzler? You hear that, Bam? Uh-oh, D, that's me maneuvering my chess pieces around. They're quartered. I know they're gonna counter, but here's the reality. The reality is this: Nancy Pelosi is not the leader of the Benny J faction of the Democratic Party. She's not the leader of the Mick Fanzler. Faction of the Democratic Party. She's not the leader of the Babs faction of the Democratic Party. She's far to the right of where I would like her to be. But the reality is this. She's holding together a very diverse coalition of Democrats, representing all different kinds of constituencies, all different kinds of districts in the age of Trump. I think she's doing a hell of a job on that front. I cannot thank her enough for holding the Democrats together during this difficult time. And apparently AOC agrees with me. How about that? AOC agrees with me. Now, AOC, by the way, is down in Texas uh, campaigning for Jessica Cisneros. And I'll tell you this, if Cisneros defeats Queer, guess what? Mama Bear will welcome her into the fold. We got a great show today, everybody. Oh, yes, indeed. Maya Tukmasova will be in here in about 20 minutes. Got a lot to talk about with her, a lot of local issues with Maya. We'll also uh, talk about the debate, debates tonight. Oh, my goodness. This is Bloomberg's great standy Mike Bloomberg's got to prove to the world that he's not as incompetent as he appeared last week. Can he do it? We'll be talking about that with Maya. Mark Sims will be here. We'll be talking about that as well with Mark Sims. he also has some interesting things about the gig economy. Our old friend Mark Sims got a lot of interesting things to say about the gig economy. And then Lori Glenn and Juanita Irizarry will close down the show. More debate talk. More Bloomberg talk. More Bernie talk. Plenty of political talk ahead of us. Before we do that, the young man from Alton. The man they call Dr. D. One of our listeners said, I don't like the Dr. Doobie thing. I want Dr. D. So the man we call Dr. D? With the news. Still waiting for someone to say, hey, call him Dennis. <laughs> because that's my name. Nobody ever says that. <laughs> it's only a debate. Dr. D, Dr. Doobie. Some say Doobie, some say D. How's it going?
2: Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this <laughs> afternoon. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. And for the record, <laughs> I love puppies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Today, our governor is in Peoria, Illinois. Mm -hmm. He's at the OSF St. Francis Medical Center to discuss how broadband expansion will impact telehealth and health outcomes for residents in rural areas. That's good to hear. You know, when looking up Peoria, Illinois, I learned something interesting and odd. Ben Jarofsky, did you know that in Peoria, Illinois, that it is against the law to have a basketball hoop installed in your driveway? I did not know that. True. I don't
3: I still I don't believe that.
2: The senior urban planner for the city of Peoria claims that it is part of a zoning ordinance that regulates how residents can use their front yards. The ordinance says the 25 yards in front of a home cannot include any accessory structure, hmm. nothing other than your driveway. Hmm says the planner. A freestanding basketball hoop is an accessory. It's sort of okay if the hoop is fastened to an attached garage because the garage is considered part of the house.
3: It's a fine line. Mm. Fascinating story. You know, I used to do a lot of zoning stories back in the day. If I was a reporter pure, I'd be all over that one. I I like zoning stories. I did a ton of them. Oh, the here's 90s. another
2: article from Basketball Hoop Guy. Okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I did a couple stories, by the way. You should say this just briefly. Uh, you know, we do those dives. We go back in the, uh, in, in the portal, the time portal, look at old columns I wrote. I did several stories. In the 90s, Mayor Daly and the Park District were taking down basketball hoops throughout the city. Uh, the notion was that somehow or other basketball hoops were attracting a bad crowd to parks, et cetera. So if you got rid of the basketball hoops, you get rid of the bad crowd. Well, that's a roundabout way for saying something, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, welcome to Chicago in the daily years. Not much different than the ROM years. Uh, anyway, so I did many stories in that.
2: The urban planner says the city of 115,000 is not anti-basketball. Mm. It's just that the ordinance says the hoops have to be in the backyard. Mm. Okay. If homeowners don't comply, they can be fined up to $500 per day. They're in violation of the ordinance, right? $500 a day? They don't play
3: in Peoria. You
2: learn something new every day, everybody. Oh,
3: man. wow! All
2: right, moving on. No public events scheduled for our Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, which is perfect because over the weekend, our former Chicago mayor appeared on national television again. Mm. Thank
1: you, Chicago, for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Yeah! yeah! It's Rahm Emanuel! <laughs> The lead antagonist
2: and Bendrovsky reader
3: columns for damn near a decade. Yeah, almost. Yeah, pretty much from about 2011 to 2019. After Bernie Sanders' big
2: win in Nevada, our former mind-numbingly moderate mayor played political pundit for the weekend mm-hmm. when he stopped by ABC's Gathering of Frightened Boomers, also known as ABC's <laughs> This Week with George Stephanopoulos. Is that the- I called it the George Stephanopoulos Show. ABC's uh, This Week uh, oops. with George Stephanopoulos. It's like Kenny Davis show. Uh, I always called it the Kenny Davis show. Oh, well. And just like every other time, Rom's best friend, Chris Christie, was there. Uh, Also present, frightened boomer Republican strategist Sarah Fagan was there as well. Mm -hmm. And if you're a supporter of our leading Democratic presidential candidate, one Bernie Sanders, well, you'd better listen up. Because this week on This Week, a former Chicago mayor is about to tell us all how stupid we
3: are. Take a chill pill, man. (laughs)
2: Stephanopoulos uh-huh. takes it to Rom from the beginning remember everybody he's smart and you are not
3: wait wait a whole more time
0: let me take it to you from the beginning is bernie sanders unstoppable
1: he's the front runner he's not he is stoppable i want i don't know but i would say this the moderates have to coalesce around one person if you have a divided field we've seen this play out in the republican primary in 2016. if it does if there is not kind of a singular mano-a-mano <laughs> then he's going to get the, delegate the only indication that anybody's going to drop. No, I mean this is what's a, what's clear right now is that everybody has still a thread of a logic of why they should stay in either resource or delegate. And as long as that happens, he will continue to have 45% and make that makes a majority. I do think people should take note his entire strategy upends every strat- every electoral map that either president Clinton, President Obama, or the midterms of '06 and 2018 put together, it's a different theory of the case. Never been tested before nationally, and never have been proven successful for any Democrat, either presidential or congressional majority. And, and
0: if at Bernie Sanders, he did not increase the turnout in Iowa.
1: <laughs>
3: I like Stephanopoulos. You know, pretending as though he's really uh, neutral in this, and just thinking about what Rom says, even though he and Rahm are cut from the same freaking cloth. They worked together back in nineteen ninety two in the Clinton campaign. By the way, there's a documentary about that. I urge everybody, what's it called, Backroom or something? I can't remember. Anyway, uh, Rahm Emanuel. Well, you know, I think that uh, ex- that advice uh, falls in the category of duh. I actually agree with Rahm on this. We've been saying this in the show for a, a long time. Moderates. I urge all moderates out there. Look to me if you want your if you want a moderate uh, or what plays as a moderate in the Democratic Party which is an interesting concept in this day and age. Uh, To me, it seems obvious that you should all rally around Michael Bloomberg. Now, Michael Bloomberg, you say, I can hear, is not really a Democrat. True. He's not much of a moderate. That's true. He's more like a... Well, again, he's like a Mitt Romney Republican, which is exactly what Rahm Emanuel is. So that constitutes more or less the moderate wing of the Democratic Party. And the reason I say uh, Joe Biden supporters should switch to Bloomberg or Pete Buttigieg, supporters like Dennis should switch. Wait, what? To, just make sure you're listening. Uh, he doesn't really support Buttigieg, uh, should switch to Bloomberg because Bloomberg has a ton of money. And so if you're going to run a moderate who not only does not inspire the base of the Democratic to to uh, come out to vote, but actually turns off many members in the base of the Democratic Party, so you'd probably see a declining turnout Uh, Of Democratic voters. If that's the person that you think should lead the Democrats against Trump, then you should go with the richest person in that group because he, in this case, he, Bloomberg, has the money to try to offset the loss of support he's going to face because he will face a loss of support. Guaranteed, Democrats of, let's say, the Mick Fansler persuasion or the Babs persuasion or even the Dr. D persuasion. Maya, too, I'll bet, will have a very difficult time voting for a a Democratic candidate named Michael Bloomberg. Just it's a reality. I know lefties. I'm around them all the time. I talk to them all the time. Okay, Rom, you may want to browbeat them into voting for a Bloomberg. You may want to to make fun of them for not voting for a Bloomberg. You may may want to call them losers because that's what's kind of embedded in what you're saying. But the reality is they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it with the same numbers they, they'll come out for Bernie. So that's why I say to centrists, I think Rom's right. Centrists have to unite around one candidate, and the logical candidate to unite around is the one who's least <laughs> representative of the Democratic Party, and that's Michael Bloomberg, who is basically a moderate Republican. But my, I got to agree, Rom's absolutely correct on that one.
2: All right, Rom's right. We'll see if that theme continues throughout as we uh, play these (laughs) clips here. Uh, As Ben mentioned, yes, they did invite one Bernie Sanders supporter to the panel to defend the man, politician Yvette Simpson. But Ben, the centrist force was just too strong.
0: He does have the momentum, he is the front-runner. I believe he will go into the convention with the most delegates. I think the biggest challenge is the establishment continuing to like fight at him instead of saying, look, he's our front-runner. Bernie Sanders is not a Democrat.
4: 15 times he's been on the ballot in Vermont. And not one time did he say, put his name forward on the Democratic uh, nomination. I don't understand why Democrats feel compelled
0: to hand wring around their convention rules around a person who is not a member of their party. He's a democratic socialist. We have to continue to say that. So he is not one who believes No, we don't that- have to
1: continue to say that. <laughs> you should say that because it's the truth, yeah, right? Yeah. He's not. Yeah, democratic socialism is
0: different. Martin Luther King was a democratic socialist. Nelson Mandela was a democratic socialist. He believes in democracy, but believes that the economy should be uh, looked at from a different perspective.
3: Yeah, nice try, Bernie lover. All right, this is funny, the, the, the other woman, what's her name, Sarah? A Republican, mm-hmm. very concerned about the purity of the Democratic Party. Let me just point out, Sarah, the person that you uh, Republicans love these days, Donnie Trump, was not a Republican throughout most of the 90s. He was back and forth. Sometimes he supported Democrats, sometimes he reported. In fact, here's where I, where is Rahm? Mr. Rom is full of wisdom, D, when it comes to attacking the vulnerabilities of, of Bernie Sanders. How come he didn't stand up to defend Donnie Trump there? Donald Trump gave 50 grand to Rom's re-election campaign back in 2010, or his election campaign, contributed $50,000. I'm sure it had absolutely nothing to do with the fact that Donald Trump was building a huge tower uh, on the banks of the Chicago River. D, don't even suggest that, that's too cynical, okay? I'm sure it was just, he really respected Rom, loved Rom. By the way, Donald Trump hired Ed Burke and his property tax lawyer, who was one of the leaders of the Democratic Party. D, I'm sure it had... No, now, stop being so cynical. It had nothing to do with the fact that he wanted to put that big sign up there in violation of all ethics and taste. By the way, do you notice how Rom looked the other way when he put the sign up? Oh, Then when the sign's up, I'm shocked, I'm outraged. But I don't think he returned the 50 grand that Trump gave him. So it's interesting. Donald Trump is not exactly a pure Republican, and yet Republicans... They pledge allegiance to him. <laughs> Sarah's has got to go, oh, Master Trump. Oh, Master Trump. They're afraid to say anything negative about him. Hey, Chris Christie. that We, we haven't talked about Chris Christie. He's sitting up there. Do you have any Chris Christie tapes you're going to play? Deep gonna, a few clips. Yeah. Chris Christie is so afraid of alienating Trump. He ran against Trump. In, in uh, twenty six, in fact, I remember some of the Republicans saying, you know, uh, when it was Cruz, Rubio, pointing out that Donald Trump was not always a Republican. So it's interesting. Democrats are not supposed to vote for Bernie because he adds socialists to the Democratic name, but it's okay for Republicans to vote for Donnie Trump, uh, even though he is, uh, was a Democrat in many cases. And by the way, Mike Bloomberg is, is not exactly the epitome of a Democrat, Michael Bloomberg supported George Bush. Michael Bloomberg ran as a Republican in New York. Michael Bloomberg did not, couldn't even bring himself to support Barack Obama in 2008. So it's interesting how standards, when it comes to Bernie Sanders, are upheld. He is not a real Democrat, but it's okay. Oh, Bloomberg, (laughs) Uh, you know, that's why we have racers on pencils. People change their minds.
2: Hey, remember that time Mayor Rahm rode his bike around Lake Michigan? (laughs) I just biked
1: around Lake Michigan.
3: How many miles was it?
1: <laughs> Nearly a thousand miles. Oh, and what you talk about healthcare? <laughs> oh God, Mayor Rob, you're a piece of work. You're a real yeah, piece of work. Here's one point, and there's a classic. Why somebody's better figure this out? Okay. You're in Nevada. Okay. The site of one of the worst mass shootings in American history, just two years ago. It's not that far in the rearview mirror. Bernie Sanders' records on guns is horrendous, from assault weapons to litigation against gun, gun manufacturers. Not one person on that stage had the gumption or the wherewithal to say Well Biden mentioning kind of a throwaway line. Yeah, a, little, a throwaway yeah. line yep. with that many people dead? When you're talking about Democrats in a primary and his record on guns, it's more representative of Vermont than it is where the country is and where the Democrats. That tells you these candidates haven't not taken him seriously and they woke up this morning. And he they a, have to take seriously but his well, record on guns. He has the as support of passed-
0: many leaders for March for their for our lives, uh, 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 and that, that's because uh, they understand his record uh, was more about as a person who representing was rural by communities President in Clinton. Vermont than that, about okay. gun violence that happens uh, in places like uh, Chicago uh, or happens in L.A. It's no, very here, different.
1: Here's the thing I will tell you: as a person assigned by President and Clinton. Oh, both passed a <laughs> Smart guy assault. talking. I'll take notes. Bernie Sanders was always on the lo- side of the gun manufacturers. Uh-huh. And one, my bigger point is political, not policy, which is you're on a stage in Vegas yeah. with one of the worst mass shootings, and nobody well, yeah, had but brought but, it up but, dealing with him seriously.
3: I- oh, God. Where do I start with this one? Where, where, where do I start with this one? I mean, talk about talking out of two sides of your mouth. All right. First of all, let's get... Can, concede this point. On the issue of guns, Rahm is correct. Bernie's vulnerable. Bernie does not have a, like, traditional Democratic take on guns. In fact, Bernie was against one of the most significant pieces of legislation that really could have helped in uh, deal with these mass shootings, and that was legislation that was proposed, I forget when it was proposed, that would hold gun manufacturers liable for the carnage caused by the weaponry. There's no way Bernie could talk his way around that. Okay, that's, that's a, a stand he took back in the day that uh, was detrimental, in my humble opinion. This is me talking. This is not Dennis talking. It's not are talking. It's me talking. That is detrimental to the Democratic, detrimental to society. So, Rom's absolutely correct. But who is Rom Emanuel? to talk about the inconsistencies of Bernie Sanders. Rahm Emanuel represents the centrist wing of the Democratic Party whose chief spokesman, Barack Obama, is going around telling Democrats not to be woke, not to hold people to purity tests, to let people slide, to recognize, as Nancy Pelosi does, we just got finished talking about this, that some Democrats who are running in purplish districts have to take stands that may be at odds with what other Democrats who are in blue districts do. This is what this was Rom's vision of how to run candidates in 2006. And he would yell, he would get mad at people like me. He would get mad at the McFanslers of the world who had this view of what's right and what's wrong. And he would say, you guys are just lost in the old days. You don't know how to win. I'm practical. I know how the game is played. And he would put up right of center Democrats to run in sort of like Trump districts, people who were against gun control, people who are weak on abortion rights, people who are weak on environmental issues. And he would say to all lefties like me, shut up and take it. You got to run a centrist to win in the centrist district. That's how you play the game. So here's Bernie Sanders playing the game by the rules that Ron expects everybody to follow. He's in a, He's got a lot of rural voters in Vermont. So he's weak on gun control, and Rom's like condemning him for it. So, hey, wait, is it only you're only supposed to be woke when it works to your advantage? But then, other other than that, you go back to sleep? Man, that is really hypocrite. That's right. You know what? I got to give Rom credit. He's talked. This is Rom. Here's one side of the mouth, and here's the other side of the mouth. Well, the quote.
2: Mayor Rahm, shut up, Jarofsky, we got more <laughs> clips.
0: As Rahm pointed out, you know, he's been on the wrong side of the Democratic Party on guns for a long time. He's about to have a spotlight shown on him, and, and we'll see how he stands up. Yeah, who it.
3: is the messenger? I, you know, the gun question oh, was we asked. Now imagine <laughs> this, forget about the other candidates. We've, we've done the seven panel, hours on
1: Medicare for All right. in the last nine debates and not one. On the on this, panel, sure. no one asked the question on guns. If that were a Republican
3: debate with that same panel of journalists, you could guarantee that guns would be an early on question. So that's one problem. Who's going to do the vetting? The press doesn't seem to want to do the vetting on this. Secondly, oh, which of those candidates <laughs> is going to show the aptitude, George, to really vet Bernie Sanders? You've got to give him credit. Sanders has stood up there in the middle of that stage. When Donald Trump was in the middle of the stage, people were hitting him. Yeah, not Bern- that much. No, no, no. Listen. <laughs> just Just pause for a moment. Chris Christie, ABC, look, you guys are going to do what you want to do. What in the world makes you think like Chris Christie and Rahm Manuel know what's going on, all right? Chris Christie was essentially thrown out of the state of New Jersey. He's a joke. He was he bombed when he ran for president in 2016. Then he started cuddling up to Trump, and Trump basically said, get out of here. I mean, not really nothing exposes the utter hypocrisy of Chris Christie and the Republican Party. Trump threw him out of the White House because Chris Christie, back in the day, was a prosecutor, was working on a case uh, having to do with uh, oh, Jared Kushner's dad. So Jared Kushner basically told Donnie, get rid of him. Donnie said, OK, bye. See you, Chris Christie. And he lands on ABC, where he's suddenly giving advice to Democrats. What de- what Republican would listen to Chris Christie, number one? He got kicked out of the party. Two, what Democrat in his right mind would listen to Chris Christie? And then you got Rahm Emanuel. I re- the reason Rahm's on uh, that panel is because he didn't run for re-election here in Chicago. And the reason he didn't run for re-election in Chicago is that even the Chicago voters— no, I love you, Chicago voters. I really do, but you're not the brightest voters in the world. Even the Chicago voters had enough of Rom. His inside, his polls showed him that, and that's why he he left because he didn't want to lose. And now you got Lori Lightfoot, who's our mayor, who I think is infinitely better than Rom, going around trashing Rom. You know, more or less all the time. So, like, why would anyone take advice from Rom? And by the way, this thing about no Democrat uh, being hard on guns—if you recall, Rom. Back in the Obama days, he didn't want to hear about guns. He, did, he told Eric Holder, I don't want to hear another word about guns, only well, he threw a few F-bombs and there being Rom. Why? Because he thought it's a loser issue. Why? Because he thought they would lose swing districts. Rom is the king of not taking a tough stand because he's afraid about losing a swing district. That's the Rom Axelrod, Obama view of the Democratic Party. And so for him to say, well, you should have criticized him on guns. I mean, yes, if you have a legitimate policy issue with Bernie Sanders, you should point out, absolutely. You should point that out. But it's it, it's almost painful to listen to Rom going on and on about guns. When when he had an opportunity to take a strong stand during the Obama years, he was urging the Democrats to back off because he was afraid of losing swing voters. But he rode his bike all along like Michigan. I just biked around Lake Michigan. <laughs> Oh, There is that. What did you talk about? <laughs> I don't have that. Oh, that. The
0: and question not- is, who's going to take these questions surrounding socialism oh, to God. to Bernie Sanders at the debate? Well, I think the- right
1: now, everybody here's a. There's a two-part problem. Okay. One, everybody's about to do that. Oh. And the problem is, you need one person, and we do And it's and this happened. We saw it in 2016. I want to get back to this one point. What? The coalition that President Clinton, President Obama, put together a coalition uh. for congressional majorities in both 06 and 2018 is totally different from anything Bernie Sanders is talking about. He doesn't care about that metropolitan majority welcoming independent swing voters from the suburbs into the Democratic Party. This has been tried, we just saw it, in Great Britain. Jeremy Corbyn went down dramatically. And this is upending. Now, it may prove something that has not been proven and politics and economics and culture and social issues have upended that and scrambled the uh, eggs, so to say. But I think this is a strategy, and here's a test. Not one of the congressional Democrats who flipped a red to blue district in 2018 have come out and endorsed him. That
0: is going to have to be about one of the questions that uh, Bernie Sanders is going to have to answer if yes. he continues to get momentum. <laughs> what does it mean for Democratic Senate candidates? What does it mean for Democratic House candidates? You already hear some critics warning that if Bernie Sanders is at the top of the ticket, that the Democrats could lose the House.
3: Uh, some scared. critics. Rob just said it. Some critics. Rob's a critic this is like Main main Street and they got one poor Bernie person up there and she's trying to look as moderate as she can this is the one they got Rom they got a two Republican three Republicans really because Rom let's face it is a Romney Republican You got three Republicans Stephanopoulos who's you know like sort of like a Hillary Clinton slash Romney Democrat. And then you got the the poor Simpson, uh, Bernie Sanders supporter who was really trying to sound as moderate as you can, totally outnumbered. And everybody gets a chance to talk, right? So she only, there's four moderate voices or four Republican voices in the That's our
2: mainstream media, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, thank you for the content, ABC.
0: We saw an amazing historic election in 2018, brought on in part by hatred for Trump, but also by the fact that now the new American majority is representing us and they want to run for office. Uh, for offices like the House and the Senate, And I think Bernie building a multiracial coalition, multi-generational coalition, is what we need for the future of our party. People were thinking about previous races. Trump showed us that people were voting a little bit differently, even even Barack Obama's race. People were coming out who don't traditionally come out. We can engage those people. and I've told I think I told Ron this. I, I will tell the entire Democratic establishment whoever the nominee is, if it's Bernie Sanders, people need to get their folks well, to show up. Well, and we're they not need there yet first of all
1: him. here's the one I said thing, I, but here what I'll say. Is, <laughs> Take take Illinois, mm-hmm. no, which is God. now solidly blue, but <laughs> just ten years ago wasn't. <laughs> that yeah. threw no, you out congre- of Chicago, yeah. That Illinois three con- congressional uh, uh, members of Congress, yes, in the suburbs, mm-hmm. Schaumburg, Naperville, out in McHenry County. Ask them if that if that's the choice they want to have a so- Democratic socialist at the top of the ticket. And you said Congress and Senate, governor, state houses were redistricting is done. That's all up this year. Oh, that well, is at risk. To, to, to,
3: to Okay, so much to unpack again. I just want to point this out, McHenry County. uh, (laughs) And uh, these are areas, what Rahm's alluding to these suburban areas, in reality, many of them, uh, Bernie outdid Hillary Clinton in 2016. These are basically, uh, a lot of these are red areas. And in those red districts, Bernie's far more popular than whatever moderate is running. That's just a fact. Now, uh, what Rahm and uh, Stephanopoulos are saying is true. A lot of the, the Congress people that got elected in 2018 are very wary and concerned about Bernie Sanders. They're actually very wary and concerned about offending anybody. In the, I just heard Lauren Underwood talking about this the other day. She's not going to support anybody. It's problematic. With, and this is something every candidate that is running for office right now that comes into the studio and I ask uh, them, who are you supporting for president? They always say they're neutral. Why? Because if you're running for a recorder of deeds, if you're running for Cook County Board of Review, you want Bernie Sanders supporters to support you, you want... Michael Bloomberg supporters to support you. You don't want to alienate anyone. So nobody's going to go around and say, yeah, I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter and then get every, all the like judge uh, supporters upset at them. So they're playing it very neutrally. Yeah, it's this is this is new. This is what Bernie Sanders is attempting to do is new. Hasn't been attempted in the Republican Party. Uh, I just want to say to Ram, your strategy didn't really work so well yeah you won in 2006 with the congressional elections within four years almost every person you elected was booted in that midterm election and the democrats haven't recovered since so the old clinton strategy that works so well really doesn't work so well which is why right now donald john trump is our president the republicans have the senate and they hold the supreme court and you're saying no let's keep trying the same strategy Yeah, I do not know if Bernie Sanders can get elected. I do not know if Bernie Sanders is going to mean that mainstream Democrat, Democratic Congress people in suburban districts lose. I just know this. The Rom strategy, the Clinton strategy, it didn't work. And we know this boy, he is one hell of a biker.
1: (laughs) I just biked around Lake Michigan.
3: Wait, how many miles did he go?
1: Nearly 1,000 miles.
3: And he talked about health care with everyone he saw. Guess what, D? None of them wanted Medicare for All. Did not find one person who wanted Medicare for All. Most people saw Rob come in the restaurant and ran out the back door. Oh, no, there's that weirdo from Illinois.
2: All right, we're going to park it right there. Uh, we got more clips from that frightened boomer party that happened on Sunday at uh, so ABC's scared. This Week with George Stephanopoulos. Hey, we'll Stephanopoulos,
3: put, <laughs> let some other lefty in there. Poor Yvette Simpson, surrounded by right-wingers. <laughs> we're going to play more of that a little later on. Maya
2: Dugmas is with us, and we're going to be talking backroom deals and so much more. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food
0: how did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good question.
2: Hey, welcome back to The
3: Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Maya's in the studio. Maya, that Dr. D was hilarious. Bleak <laughs> boomer party on the George Stephanopoulos show, and it's so true. And, I, you know, I've got mixed feelings about my beloved boomers. Boomer persuasion? People of the boomer persuasion. They're so scared. I'm scared. And Rob's, like, trying to foster that fear, you know? Perpetuate that. Be scared. You're going to lose the house. We don't, already don't have the Senate. Your strategy's terrible. It's the worst strategy. No, nope, we don't want to encourage more people to vote. It never works. <laughs> In fact, when Ron was mayor, I know I'm gonna. I, you know what I'm. When Ron was mayor, did everything could to discourage people from voting. You know what I'm saying? To feed like the sense of hopelessness, hopelessness and alienation, and like it, you can't possibly win. So don't even bother. You can't beat me. I'm gonna close your schools. I'm gonna kick you out of Chicago. Bleak. No, yeah, bleak boomer party. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? They should put Maya on that show. Hey, Stephanopoulos. I
4: resent that. I'm not a boomer.
3: No, but they should, that's <laughs> yeah. the whole point.
4: <laughs> there are so many m- much more qualified and interesting people that could go on that show.
3: I disagree. <laughs> all right. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, so all right, let's switch gears. Get off a rom for the moment. Although it's, you must have had some. Did you hear any of that? that uh, uh, any of the stuff that Dee played just now
4: oh yeah yeah but just that I did actually watch this thing on Sunday
3: oh God so. he Dennis sent it to me I all week long lefties were sending me stuff and I watched all well, of... this
4: segues great into what I would like to talk about Go, which talk is about uh that two weeks ago mm-hmm. the the uh week of Valentine's Day uh, I was on vacation that week and uh F- Valentine's Day was Friday I guess yeah um suddenly I'm getting these emails and and tweets sent to me about how Lori Lightfoot in her city Club speech that happened on February 14th uh, came out in support of just cause eviction so I you know this was this was very interesting I mean but I was on vacation so I didn't look into it further but I thought to myself great I'll put a pin in this I'll be back next week I have an eviction related story that I'm planning on writing anyway and this will be a great thing to 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 uh, slide in there as well so i started looking into this last week mm-hmm. listened to the speech and th- so do, do you know what just cause eviction why don't is? you explain yeah. the why don't yeah so just cause eviction is uh kind of a, a a term of art uh that uh that it's it's a type of legislation that protects people from being evicted for no reason so if a municipality or a state has a just cause eviction law usually what it says is like unless somebody is not paying their rent or um you know is chronically late on their rent or is violating the lease or doing you know something else to 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 sort of mess up the property um that you can't just evict them can and and this exists in um, laws like this exist in California um, uh, there's a version of this in Seattle I think maybe in Oregon as well in Portland there may be one so um, it, it's a pretty it's a it's a very it's a intense form of tenant protection laws that tend to uh, if they get passed they get passed in places that are rapidly gentrifying um, in order to uh, prevent situations like we see in Chicago all the time which is for example take a, a, a place like Logan Square, um, somebody buys a building, it has tenants in it who you know, maybe they've lived there for 10, 20, 30 years, uh, but the neighborhood is gentrifying, property values are going up, uh, there's lots of demand for uh, for housing in these neighborhoods. The uh, developer or the landlord will tell people, you know what, I want you guys out of here, they give a 30 day notice, that's all you're required to do in, in Illinois, um, you can evict someone for no reason at all, giving them a 30-day notice. Um, and so in 30 days, people have to move. It doesn't matter how long they've lived there. And then usually, uh, you know, the developer or the landlord will rehab the units and um, rent them back out at a much higher price. Mm-hmm. And this is happening all the time in like, places like Pilsen and Little Village. It's, like a, it's, it's a really big problem, especially in, in gentrifying neighborhoods, but also in, um, in lower-income neighborhoods as well um we saw a lot of this in the wake of the foreclosure crisis um etc so just co- so, so so far there, there is no just cause eviction laws in illinois there is there, they don't exist in chicago either so on february 14th when when the mayor mentioned in a speech at the city club that she's support, that that she's proposing a just cause eviction ordinance that she's pushing for a Just Cause Eviction Ordinance. This was obviously very exciting to hear. and This is, a big, this is big news. This would be a really huge change to, uh, to, the, to, to the eviction laws locally. Mm. Um, so then I start, I, I, I get back from vacation and I start looking into it. I listen to the speech. And in the speech, what she says is that sh- she gives an example of what, 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 this, what this ordinance she's going to push is actually going to do. So she says, you know, we're supporting just cause eviction and it's 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 unfair that people who may have lived somewhere and paid their rent steadily and been in compliance with the lease, um, you know, suddenly have to move and only have 30 days to do it. So people should have longer uh, to move out of their place if a landlord is kicking them out without cause. Mm -hmm. OK, so that makes sense. Uh, And then she went on to talk about other measures she's proposing that have nothing to do with this. So all she said was that we're going to propose just cause eviction, but how she explained what that would mean was that it would just mean people would have more time to move. Mm -hmm. It actually didn't address the causes at all. What she said did not in any way reflect how just cause eviction, what that means in places that it actually exists, which is that you cannot evict someone. I mean, it's uh, there's probably exceptions and caveats to this but generally it's like you it's not about how long you give people to move out with, when they when they when there's no cause to evict them it's about that you can't just evict people without cause mm-hmm. so but but what she mentioned in the city club speech was just about that it, it, you would give people more time to move out you can still evict them without cause All but right. they would have more so, time to leave
3: so i just want to make sure that i'm absolutely understanding mm-hmm. you in other words The law that she proposed, as she outlined it in this speech, would not repeat, would not protect a working class or lower income tenant.
4: Or anyone. Well,
3: but this is mainly who this is dealing with. Mm -hmm. In a gentrifying neighborhood from being uh, just routinely evicted because the landlord... Wants to flip his building, wants or to... maybe
4: the landlord wants to move a family member into the building, or maybe you know there could be. It's not you know I don't want to paint it all with the this brush that like it's just like avaricious landlords who are trying to squeeze maximum profit out of their buildings, which you know obviously this is off very often the case. But there there could be all kinds of other reasons why someone wants to move the tenants out. But uh, yeah, it w- it would not prevent that from happening. But in it, what she said would just was just that it would give people more time Mm -hmm. to leave if somebody was getting kicked out without cause. All right. So then I thought to myself, well, I should really clarify this with the mayor's office because she said the words just cause evictions, which means something very specific in this realm of eviction laws, landlord tenant laws, et cetera. So I thought maybe she just gave this example in her speech, but maybe the proposal she's going to make and, and the ordinance she's going to push with city council will have act will actually have just cause provisions like maybe it'll actually create some kind of limits in terms of like the reasons why a landlord can 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 remove uh tenants who who've been compliant and paying their rent on time and stuff so i emailed the press office the mayor's press office and asked them to clarify like did she mean uh, what what did she mean by saying "just cause eviction"? Did she did she actually mean it in the sense that of like the way these laws exist elsewhere, or did she only mean that uh, it would be something related to people having more time to move if they're getting evicted without cause? And what I got in response was basically uh, uh, a statement that talked about how hard it is for renters in Chicago. And then the only specific they gave me in terms of to clarify what she meant was once again the example of people getting more time to to, to move, and they didn't even say like, oh, we're gonna do sixty days instead of thirty mm-hmm. or ninety days instead of thirty. So so basically, they're continuing, the, the 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 only they didn't provide any clarification. Mm-hmm. All they're saying from it, on his face, what it seems like the mayor is supporting is changing the local. Uh, law to or introducing a new local law to give people who are getting evicted without cause more time to move not to actually uh limit landlord's abilities Mm -hmm. to evict people without cause Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and
4: i just find Mm -hmm. this so in my article in in the reader this week is going to deal with this as well as um talk about uh trends in the 2019 eviction data that i just got from the clerk of the circuit court um recently but i just find it interesting that she would use this phrase, just cause eviction, because it feels so this phrase for for people in the real estate industry and in in the kind of uh, real estate lobby, whatever, apart, Chicago Land Apartment Association, the realtors. This is like a, a dog whistle, essentially, like this is going to send all those people into like a wild frenzy, freaking out that <laughs> their, their their ability to evict is going to be infringed upon. Right. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, mm-hmm. I imagine that if if one of those people calls the mayor's office and says, what is this I'm hearing about just cause eviction? The mayor's office can then say, oh, no, no. Like, we're not changing anything about the causes. That you can evict for. We're just saying we need to, you know, give people more time. And look, even if that's even this issue of more time, like the real estate lobby will put up a fight against it for sure. Mm -hmm. Like they don't want people to have six they don't want people to have thirty day thirty-one days instead of thirty. They don't want people to have sixty days, obviously. Like they're gonna see this as an affront to to their to their property rights. So it's gonna be hard either way. And I'm not at all trying to suggest that it's like uh, a bad idea to give people more time to move. Like, I, you know, reporting on this issue all the time, like 30 days is not enough to move, and especially not if you've lived somewhere for decades. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely, uh, like, amazing to see the mayor um, c- care about this issue and propose this idea. But I'm just, I'm baffled by the fact that she decided to use the phrase when she didn't actually appear to mean that there would be, that she's pushing for a, a law to change the... Mm-hmm. the reasons why you can evict someone mm-hmm. cuz it just seems like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth you want to say this thing that's like a progressive buzzword
3: mm-hmm.
0: but
4: that's also quite politically costly because it's going to have fallout on the other side of the political spectrum with the real estate people but but like you know i don't know it's it I, i'm just i'm it's hard for me to wrap my head around this but it's just but like words means things you mm-hmm. know and i and and it's i i don't know i find it uh strange and irritating yeah that she th- now gets to said so she's going around saying she's supporting just cause eviction but like w- actually the fine print is the, doesn't seem to be anything like that it's a, it's a good thing but it's a different thing it's yeah. not just cause eviction
3: uh there's a lot to unpack with what you just said uh interesting listen when you if you view the world the way Lloyd Lightfoot as mayor of the city of Chicago does, you have competing interests at all the time. So you have the renters movement, which is uh, looking for protection against gentrification. And then you have the real estate uh, community that is looking f- to maximize its profits at all and, and protect their interests. OK. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh she's in the middle as she sees it she did not really win as being a you know this better than anybody uh as being a champion of the anti-gentrification crowd the uh the land the real estate excuse me uh the tenants crowd uh and she did not win by championing the interest of real estate she was right down the middle she ran as a reformer and now It looks as though, from what you're saying, Maya, it's classic. Uh, She's she's playing it down the middle. And so eventually the debate could come down with people, tenants' rights people, being mad at her because uh, she is not really proposing a, a just cause eviction bill. And the real estate lobby being upset at her because... Uh, they don't want to see any caps on the number of days, or they, do, they don't want to expand the amount of time that uh, that the tenants have in a building before they're evicted. And so she could say, well, I got both sides mad at me. I must be doing something, or I could read the editorials well, right now.
4: Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> to be fair, I think that, like, there is nothing she could say on this issue, and no, no kind of tenant protection she could propose that wouldn't have, wouldn't create backlash from the real estate people like there's just no, no kind of progressive uh push she could make there's like it, there's it's an unwinnable situation with them they're going to be against any kind of uh, any steps to give tenants more protection whether it's time whether it's the reason why you're evicting them like they don't they don't th- th- their stance is going to be in opposition to that no matter what so yeah. she she can't <laughs> win with them mm-hmm. but why why do like why do you have to s- say that something is like, why do you have to make, make it seem like more than what it is? Like, why do you have to use this phrase to describe what you're proposing, which is a good proposal, which is like a good kind of conscientious and progressive idea? But why do you have to slap this label on it that, that means something different? Like, just to, you know, just to, just to, to like make it sound more progressive than it actually is. That's
3: exactly why she's doing it. Now, you, one of the things, uh,
4: And I mean, she got a lot of positive press about it. And I guess like nobody bothered to actually look into what just cause eviction means. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But like that, I was shocked. I was shocked when, when people were sending me those emails and tweets about it because I was like, what? Lori Lightfoot, who's like not for, even for any kind of rent regulation is supporting just cause eviction now. Well, sure enough. Like that's not what she's saying. Yeah.
3: Well, uh, my, uh, my friends, uh, of the, uh. Centrist persuasion are always telling me Ben it's how you message something they always tell me this it's how you message something so when they criticize Bernie for instance on uh, Medicare for all they go it's all about the messaging is if you're you're telling people you're going to take away the private insurance they are not going to be for you they're gonna be against you. so you have to message it in a certain way Mm -hmm. and it looks like this is a messaging thing yeah so you just take the words of the, uh, the tenants' movement, apply it to your bill, even if it doesn't apply, and you say, voila, I'm championing the tenants. Now, uh, one of the things I noticed the, about you is that you had communication uh, to Lori Lightfoot's uh, housing circle. I know this because yeah. we had our first, one of our first Tuesday shows you brought on yeah. housing. I was really impressed. Wow. Mick and I never had that back in the day. How are you having conversations, just private conversations with people uh, in the uh, Lightfoot administration who are explaining to you uh, what she's up to?
4: Ben, I'm not going to tell you about my private communications with people. <laughs> well, in just like...
3: Vaguely,
1: you know.
4: No, no, I mean, look, I went through the most like straight and narrow, you know, regular channels mm-hmm. to try to clarify this. I just I just reached out to her press office. I got, you know, it took like a, a whatever. Within 48 hours, it got back to me. Um, I did, so it was last Thursday that I reached out to them and that was the day of the, the poverty summit that she was hosting. Mm-hmm. And so the spokesperson said to me, like, I, I tried to get something from them by the end of the day and she said it wasn't going to be... Um, was going to be probably not possible because the she said the housing team is at the poverty summit so she must have had to like go to the housing department whatever team that's tasked with messaging around this or 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 hammering out the details of what she's going to propose to like bring my question to them um so I don't know, like, I don't even know if if Lori Lightfoot herself knows what she's saying when she's saying just cause eviction. That's, a, that's, that's like another, yeah. is, it's quite possible that no one has explained to her, like that what she's saying means a very specific thing. Yes. That like, this is a term of art that means that th- this is like, yeah, to a person like me listening, this is a huge deal mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that she's saying that she's for just cause eviction. And then it's like, well, wait a second. This isn't actually, she's not describing that at all. She's yeah. describing something different. So, um, yeah, uh, I wouldn't, but besides the housing department people that I may have private communications with, um, I'm also actually interested in, um, the progressives and city councils kind of views on this because, you know, any kind of legislation like this that she's going to, uh, propose is going to obviously rely on them on, on the progressives in the council to really push for it. And, uh, as we know that the progressives in city council are significantly to the left of Lori Lightfoot on a lot of issues. So I mean perhaps there's going to be some negotiation and movement on, on in the direction of actually just cause eviction uh, through, the, through the kind of lawmaking process. Well,
3: this is a distinction between, I'm going to give Lori Lightfoot a little shout out here uh, and try to draw a distinction between what she's doing and what previous administrations do, even if the reality is that there's not much difference. Uh, I've said this many times. We said this at first Tuesday that when we had the discussion about housing. The policy of the mayors of your entire lifetime has been to encourage gentrification, to use whatever powers the city has to spur development of neighborhoods. And when you develop neighborhoods this way, when you bring in upscale developments into neighborhoods, you make them less affordable, you move people out. That's reality. That's what's been happening in the city of Chicago on a systematic, steady basis for 40 years. And it was the policy of Daly and it was the policy of ROM. And they never thought of this as a problem. They never thought of gentrification as a problem. They never thought of tenant. You write, you spend a lot of, of your journalistic efforts writing about tenants who are, who are moved out of property, moved out, uh, forced out of the housing they've been in for a long time, and how little protection there is. This is one of, this is like your equivalent of your TIF crusade. And the reality is that the leaders in the city of Chicago, Maya, don't view this as a problem. They... I
4: mean, no doubt it is like a tremendous step forward that the mayor of Chicago is even acknowledging that point. evictions are a problem yes. in the city.
3: Yes.
4: Like 100 percent like hat off to Lori for even talking about this, because this, you know, this is this is this is a hu- this is a huge issue that nobody was even talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, but but I just, you know but words means words
3: mean something you're absolutely correct and this is this is an ongoing debate we had Jeanette Taylor in the studio a couple weeks ago uh Alderman woman of the 20th Ward, who will be at uh our show on March 3rd we'll get into that a little while later Mm -hmm. and there's uh she was talking about this issue it in a a different form in terms of protecting residents in the Woodlawn area that are going to be displaced by the Obama Center, uh, all the gentrification that that will spur and the difference of opinion she has with the Lori Lightfoot and the Obama Center people. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Lori Lightfoot gets... The hits, but it was Barack Obama's Obama Center that uh, is taking a strong stand against some of the proposals that Jeanette Taylor has. And today's uh, Sun Times, when we've had, a, I mean, excuse me, Tribute has a story about uh, how Lori Lightfoot's proposal, she's put a proposal out here. It doesn't completely satisfy uh, Jeanette Taylor. And so this is going to be an ongoing debate. And again, Lori Lightfoot puts herself in the middle of this. Issue. She's not on the the quote-unquote tenants. She's not Bernie Sanders. She's very much in the middle. And if she could have a situation, Maya, like I said before, where tenant groups are mad at her and real estate lobbies mad at her, then she could say, must be a good settlement. Everyone's mad at me.
4: I mean, I think that ultimately like this is if if even even this issue of like giving people who are getting evicted for no cause more time to move like tenant tenant advocates are going to be behind her mm-hmm. and like the legal aid community is going to be behind her on this. This is this would be a huge win even if it was just that um, I would my my feeling is that like why the, why w- like uh, strap a bomb onto this like pretty well-intentioned legislative proposal by like slapping it with the label of just cause eviction when it's not even that, when this is going to be like a huge lightning rod for opposition from the real estate industry, you know? Like if you're not even going to be proposing a just cause (laughs) eviction law, like why even slap that? And it's like slapping some dynamite on it when it's already going to be hard enough to even pass this measure to give people more time to move. Yeah. Like just like what? It it just seems like like strategically like it's just going to it's going to attract more negative attention. And the tenant. The tenant rights folks are going to be with I don't think there's a lot of tenant advocates and tenant rights groups that are going to be like, no, like this is not just cause eviction. We don't want more time for people to move like people are going to be people are going to be supportive of whatever, what whatever little incremental progress there can be on this issue. Um, but I just think that calling it just cause eviction when that's not what it is, it's just probably gonna generate more opposition mm-hmm. and more and more you know lobbying against it yeah. just for the f- fact that this word is getting thrown around
3: right. yeah. so by the way I had to just listening to you talk about displacement and gentrification and the changes that have occurred in Chicago I've not even articulated this thought it occurred to me I was watching the NBA uh, All-Star game I don't know if you saw that you are out of town but at the be- it was in Chicago this year mm-hmm. and at the beginning there were all these uh, Chicago artists paying tribute uh, to the interconnection between Chicago culture and uh, the NBA All-Star basketball. And almost all of the people they were championing were black people. They, I, I think it was all black people. It was all about... Black Chicago, and I just think about, listening to you talk, I'm thinking about the changes that are happening in Chicago. What is it, 80,000, 100,000 black people moved out of the city in the last 10 years. Neighborhoods have bottomed out. There was the same time the NBA All-Star Game was, uh, was going on. The New York Times finally got around. To the right. They wrote a story, a front-page story about black people meet, meet, moving to Chicago. And again, I'll just say this. I believe there was just a general overall strategy to encourage this kind of development that the people who ran Chicago view it as a positive and, uh, so the tennis rights groups are, y- y- you know what I mean? They're like desperately trying to hold on to something that the city leader has been trying to take for them, uh, all these years, move out of Chicago, even as we pay homage to all the great, uh, champions of black culture from Chicago. Do you know what I'm saying, Maya? Mm-hmm. Move out of Chicago. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you're, this is like a tail end of something that you're writing about. We'll see how um, successful the tenant rights people are. Uh, anything else you want to say before I switch subjects with you for a moment?
4: Uh, n- no, I think that's that's probably all there is to say about that. I'll get back to you if I find out any, any more concrete details about w- what she actually means when she says just cause eviction.
3: And in the meantime, she's not going to share her private conversations. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> it's off the record means off the record. Yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, Anyway, let's talk about we have a big show coming up on Tuesday. Talk about that. That's right.
4: We are March 3rd. We're having a uh, kind of a a, a special version of First Tuesdays, kind of a roadshow edition. Um, It's part of the Reader's um, Mobilize series, um, which uh, we've had uh, two of these events already. Uh, I was missing for one of them uh, two weeks ago, but (laughs) we're having a pre-Super Tuesday um, event at the Promontory in Hyde Park. Um, It's going to be free, so I really uh, encourage everyone who would normally go pay $5 to see us at the hideout to, you know, use that money for... CTA fair to make it down to Hyde Park. And um, we will have Jeanette Taylor, um, Delmarie Cobb and Kofi Adamolov, uh with us to talk about um, the primary, um, to talk about uh, everything having to do with the Obama Center and issues down in Hyde Park and Woodlawn with gentrification and displacement, talking about progressive candidates, talking about um, you know, how w- w- how, how well uh, the left wing of the Democratic Party is doing with the black community. Everything that um, you can think of, we'll have obviously lots of discussion uh, with the audience as well. And uh, yeah, uh, Tuesday at six, I think the doors open at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. You can find the information on um, the Chicago Reader website, on social media. And uh, yeah, we're really excited about and it.
3: That, um, and that'll be a Super Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, and so this all, yeah, this coming Tuesday, in a week. A week from today. And all, so all the conflicts that we've been talking so much about on this show, uh, even at the start of the show when we were uh, dissecting Rahm's analysis, uh, will be at play. You know, uh, the efforts, the fear that centrists have about what Bernie represents, bernie mainly Bernie, but also to a certain degree, Elizabeth. Isn't it funny they don't talk... <laughs> Elizabeth, they successfully they feel like they got Elizabeth Warren under control. But if you recall, Maya, many of the same things that are being said about Bernie were being said about Elizabeth Warren about two months ago when she was on top of the polls. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, we really, we'll see how it plays out. To, uh, that will be Mike Bloomberg's first appearance uh, on the ballot in any States. He, he won't, he wasn't on the ballot in Iowa, New Hampshire.
4: Super Tuesday will be super yeah.
3: Tuesday will be. Uh, and uh, so it'll be a, uh, Really interesting to see uh, how he does, you know, how those the round the clock airing of commercials uh, is playing out. Will that replace, you know, just like the hard work of knocking on doors, the grassroots uh, end of it all? be really curious to see uh, and how he can overcome all, all the many all the, the stupid s- statements he's made in the past about women, <laughs> the bad policies made in the past about black people. You know what I mean? Can he overcome that and win the support of Democrats? Be interesting to see. And yeah. uh, that'll be March 3rd. So we'll be, we'll be following that in real time yeah, as it unfolds.
4: 6 p.m. at the promontory. We'll have our, our event with our guests. And then um, it'll kind of transition into a watch party, basically, of the of the results as they roll in.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All yeah. right. Uh, March 3rd, mark your calendars. Also, you guys have been hustling, too, uh, doing some backroom deals, talking That's about right. uh, the primaries, right?
4: Season 3 of Backroom Deal is back. That's We're right. back. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Mueller listening. Big I know
2: fan. he is. He big it. fan. Ah, uh, yeah, big fan. And big uh, fan. I, the one that dropped, it uh, looks like you guys are informing everybody of the delegates, right? A very I sat there and uh, listened to you guys talk about it. Boy, I'm still kind
3: of confused.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I listened to it twice today. <laughs> and I think I sort of get it. No,
3: um, it's, a, it's a confusing thing. And, 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 uh, how the Democrats go about choosing delegates or apportioning delegates to candidates is, uh, it, it look, we should just bring Maggie Wonderly wherever we go. She knows every rule. Yeah. In fact, you know what I do now? Uh, you talk Okay, I, I shouldn't talk about my sources, but... Maggie comes on the show and I say it anyway. Whenever I see an article in which like a mainstream person writes about the delicate process, I send it to Maggie. Maggie, did, did they get it right? <laughs> she she fact, My own personal delegate selection fact checker, Maggie. I I'm hope going.
4: Maggie's there on Tuesday at, at the Promontory. Yeah. We well, really could use her in the crowd.
3: It's a
2: 10-episode series, The Backroom Deal. Uh, we've produced five of them, and yeah. they're going to be coming out throughout the weeks here. So uh, Yeah, the
4: second one is uh, about the state's attorney's race. Um, and then we've got the rest, uh, the, the ones coming out this week are going to be um, also about the clerk of the circuit court. Mm-hmm. uh metropolitan water reclamation district and <laughs> yeah. and the board of review uh
3: and i should say uh, jacob meister i will be on the show in about a week court, he's running uh, for clerk, clerk of the secret court yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, we had richard Boykin on the show so you know we're getting all the different candidates uh, one by one coming on the show
4: yeah and people are people can download uh the podcast on um itunes and stitcher um listen to it on the reader website so um yeah subscribe rate review We love doing this for you, so uh, show us some love on there so we can keep doing it.
3: Very good. All right, Maya, thank you very much. Uh, Mark Sims will be our next guest. Uh, We're going to bring him on, I hope. He's here. Oh, he is here? Yep. uh, We'll bring him on when we return. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com Hey everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to JeffManuelPianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you people J E F F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U E L P I A N I S T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel.
2: Hey, downloaders, remember, we live stream this program Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. Join us at the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel, and when you join that YouTube channel, you can join the live stream chat. Oh, my God, we're having a good time making fun of our former mayor, wondering what's going on with our current one. Typical day on The Ben Jarofsky Show. Join us. Listen live.